This podcast is brought to you by Marant. Hello and welcome to the Marant Podcast. My name is Mike Wilkins and I'm hosting this episode where we'll be discussing how the private equity industry can emerge from the COVID-19 lockdown. The coronavirus pandemic has been a human tragedy first and foremost, and lockdown measures have helped save lives and there is hope that science will play its part in protecting humanity. In the meantime, attention is turning to the economic harm that has been caused by the pandemic. To explore this further are Jeff Cook and Ben Robbins from Marant. Jeff is the former CEO of Jersey Finance, who used to head up HSBC's wealth management team in the UK. He's now a consultant at Marant with significant experience of cross-border financial services, corporate governance, private equity and capital markets. Ben is a partner at Marant and is currently head of the law firm's global funds practice with extensive experience in investment funds and the financing of private equity, venture capital and debt funds. Uh, I'll start with you first, Jeff. Uh, We're beginning to see, sadly, the brutal economic reality of COVID-19 hitting home. How has the lockdown affected the global private equity market, would you say? Well, the impact's been significant, but it's varied uh, quite significantly or substantially by sector. Initially, focus on lives and livelihoods, business continuity, the stability of portfolio companies was the big focus. In terms of sectors, I would say travel, retail, leisure have been hit very hard, but some others have benefited really from the crisis, so healthcare, tech, uh, logistics in particular. Uh, and attentions now, I think, as we're easing out and starting, you know, having stabilised things as much as possible in terms of mitigation strategies, uh, the focus is now on these opportunity sectors, plus I would say the traditional focus on distressed assets and debt funds, which on a, a market cycle basis always come into play uh, when you have big dislocation in the market. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of private equity firms, the boards in particular, this will be a very challenging time for them. Ben, what advice have you got for, for any of those private equity firms that might be battling or or struggling with, with all the, the uncertainty that's been caused by COVID-19? Well, I think three main areas of important focus. Firstly, as Jeff's alluded to, business continuity. So reviewing and testing the firm's business continuity planning, home working arrangements. And that relates to the private equity firm itself, but also its underlying portfolio companies. Um, Finances, obviously very important. Most of our clients immediately performed a financial health check of their portfolios to check which portfolio companies would need the most financial support and then developing a customized plan for each of them. So if there's insufficient cash reserves, some funds have sought to inject further equity into the portfolio companies by drawing down from investors. But of course that will depend on where the fund is in its investment cycle and for funds later in life, Drawing down further funds can be challenging, so firms need to check their partnership agreement. Can they draw down now? Can they perhaps recycle profits uh, for top-up investments into portfolio companies needing support? And if there's no equity funding available, um, might alternative support, might, uh, might that need to come in the form of finance facilities? So revolving credit facilities at portfolio company level to help cash depleted um, portfolio companies. Now debt's obviously becoming more expensive in some instances won't necessarily be readily available. So I think the final financial pillar of support is consider tapping into some of the government and central bank supported schemes, whether furloughing arrangements, uh, the UK's COVID-19 corporate financing facility that the Bank of England is running, um, the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme in the UK delivered by the British Business Bank for certain small businesses. And interestingly, actually moving a little further afield within Europe in Germany, Um, We've got a couple of venture capital clients with German portfolio companies looking to tap into the Corona matching facility uh, established by KFW and secured by the Federal Republic of Germany. And that effectively matches the investments made by eligible 
venture capital fund managers during the crisis into portfolio companies. Aside from trying to find that financial support, it's really then focusing on investors, liaising with the investors in case you do need to make those capital calls I described to bolster portfolio company liquidity, making sure your investor reporting is good, you know, being open and honest about portfolio company impact. There'll be, you know, firm uh, portfolio companies not impacted, but some more seriously impacted. But the private equity firms that learnt lessons from the last global financial crisis, you know, investing in businesses with strong balance sheets, prudent levels of leverage, they're the ones that will likely come out of this crisis stronger. Okay, you mentioned the crisis. I think most of the private equity firms have had the initial crisis reaction. Jeff, what should the directors of these firms be doing? And we've heard about a financial health check, but there's also many other checks and, and regulatory compliance issues that they need to make sure that they meet. Yes, well, I think it's important they remain, boards remain in crisis mitigation mode. It's important that they do scrutinise the reaction of the executives in the various firms to the crisis. Of course, putting first things first, uh, as Ben's already touched on, safety colleagues, families, clients, has to be an imperative. But some interesting reputational and regulatory risks in all of this, I feel. I think it's important that boards uh, encourage firms to contribute to the public health effort. You're reminded of that old phrase, you know, what did you ever do in the war? Well, I think the question this time is, what did you do in the pandemic? Uh, And I think there is an expectation that private capital and business will be making a contribution to the public health effort. And if you research one or two uh, big players recently, just looking at what their moves have been, and people like CVC, Bain Capital, in fact, a large number of the firms are listing on their websites the various community initiatives that they've instigated to help the public health drive the the COVID fight, as it were, through their portfolio companies. And I think that's actually a very necessary and important action in terms of both contributing, but also risk mitigation in terms of reputation. I think the other big area is I do feel, whilst regulators have been very supportive, there's actually quite a lot of regulatory compliance risk in what's happening at the moment. Uh, There's been some forgiveness of reporting deadlines, which I'm sure firms have found helpful, but there will be no forgiveness at all around AML CFT. So standards can't slip, vigilance can't slip, and ID, verification, KYC, uh, monitoring of fund flows, transaction flows, payments, all still critically important. Uh, As Ben said, I think supporting portfolio companies through active monitoring, cash conservation, uh, LP comms is important, I think, as well in terms of risk. So taking great care to avoid selective disclosures and conflicts of interest. You know, are you are you communicating what you should be evenly and consistently to your investor groups? And uh, are, are you complying with the policies and procedures that you set yourself? Because in crises, there's always the, the temptation just to hold back information whilst you assess what it all means. So I would say the risk focus is very important. It's imperative that firms get their decision-making and audit trails in good order. To be honest, it's a good time to take external advice with experts in regulatory risk. You know, have your actions been sufficient? Is your communication right? Are you communicating the correct amount of information to the appropriate stakeholders? Are you observing your regulatory requirements? And if you're thinking about fund restructuring or debt, what impact that has on your uh, LPs uh, and prospects and, and required for communication? All quite important subjects, I think, because... In the US, I think you'll see your sweep reviews. We saw them post the uh, global financial crisis, so uh, they tend to call them sweeps, the SEC. And you're likely to see the same themed reviews, which we would more ordinarily uh, call them, I think, in Europe. So it's very, very important that audit trails 
are there and actually just taking a bit of external advice to have your actions validated is probably a sensible measure at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's it at the moment. It's very uncertain. There's potentially tough times for the markets ahead. Uh, Ben, which sectors do you think stand to potentially gain and grow in the next two years uh, from from a global perspective? Well, I guess the first thing to bear in mind is that there remains an awful lot of uninvested dry powder. And given what's happened in recent months, as you might expect, I think a lot of private equity firms think the pandemic will cause a spike in demand for strategies targeting distressed assets, as Jeff's already touched on. Debt funds, uh, which has been an important growing and emerging asset class in recent years, we think are likely to prosper as an alternative source of liquidity in this challenging environment. And um, funds targeting specialist sector-specific strategies in the areas which have really prospered since the start of the pandemic, they're also likely to enjoy better fundraising opportunities. Um, So that's likely to involve parts of the technology and healthcare sectors, particularly biotech and pharma, which are really experiencing surges in demand. And even some retail areas have thrived, of course, particularly those providing sort of mission critical products and services to us all in the lockdown period. Those that can also find the time to identify a stream of target investments in promising growth areas and invest earlier in those opportunities in the recovery phase, they're the ones that will typically produce the greater returns due to the lower multiples and uh, potentially less competition if they move quickly. So it is it is a, a time of opportunity as well as, well as challenge. And, and from a geographical perspective, are there certain regions that you think uh, stand to gain more than, than others over the next couple of years? I think it is quite likely that in relative terms, Asia will, um, uh, will, will prosper well. I mean, clearly there are geopolitical um, issues in the region at the moment. I mean, what's happening in Hong Kong needs to be borne in mind. But um, that aside, I think, yes, we see we see good opportunities in that region. And a lot of this is underpinned by the funding, uh, getting getting the capital as well. Um, Jeff, would you say that the banks are prepared to lend? I mean, obviously, it's a very different situation after the sort of 2007-2008 crisis. Um, but, but do you think there's an appetite there from the banks to, to actually lend? Well, it's a really curious situation in many ways because banks will be quite happy to, I think, continue to lend into subscription lines with a strong capital call covenant sitting behind it, but much less inclined to lend into traditional markets. We've seen a retrenchment from SME and cross-border lending post the global financial crisis, and that really led to the rapid development of private credit funds in the PE industry. But I think the COVID crisis is going to put even further pressure on bank balance sheets. And that's sadly going to be driven by defaults and insolvencies. Some sadly are going to go to the wall and that will make banks more conservative by and large. Uh, So I think private credit looks set to grow significantly. They may well be very happy to continue support for the PE industry because it's probably a safer bet for them. But PE itself was already becoming and will continue, I think, to become a big a big private credit player. Okay, and Ben, what would you say the situation is with with fund finance and and the ramifications for private equity? There's a big discussion around illiquid assets. Yeah, well, I I think fund finance in recent years has exploded as a concept, really, with some sort of specialist providers now really focusing in on this market. In terms of equity funding from investors, um, of course, firms have only recently completed a successful fundraising and they can probably hope to take advantage of the current market environment by deploying that dry powder at attractive valuations. But for firms with older vintage funds that are substantially deployed or approaching the expiry of their term, they're going to have to think really creatively as to how they're going to raise additional capital for their portfolio companies. 
and also how to avoid having to exit good investments in a bad market. Uh, something we're helping a few firms with is establishing a new continuation fund vehicle. And that can acquire assets of the existing fund and permit additional investment in certain of the portfolio companies, whilst giving existing investors a choice of options, either continue into the new fund vehicle, exit their investment, or perhaps a combination of both. The beauty of offshore holding vehicles and funds is that they can be established really quickly to provide solutions in these situations and to facilitate the creation of these co-investment and continuation vehicles. So, you know, there are a range of fairly innovative options now available to try and uh, meet those uh, challenges around illiquid investments. And we've discussed about the, obviously, the geopolitical differences in certain regions, but how do you think jurisdictions should be evolving to survive and thrive this situation, really, and, and try and ensure that investors remain ultimately happy? Well, I think focusing on good infrastructure is fundamentally important right now and, and keeping up with technological development. Also, things like ensuring that your local legislation permits the use of e-signatures and that the counterparts around you in your jurisdiction fully understand how it works. You know, electronic signing has now become very commonplace in the transactions that we're working with. And again, I have to say in our jurisdiction here in Jersey, and I think in all of our jurisdictions, Jersey, Guernsey, Cayman, BVI, we found that service providers have uh, managed to uh, pick up the new technology and you know provide business as usual service. I mean, we're certainly in an age of accelerated disruption. You know, some larger PE firms are using big data when looking for opportunities to increase their return on investment, you know, by tracking credit card use or, uh, you know, web scraping for, for, for information. But that's probably only the preserve of the larger players at the moment because it involves significant investment. But most fund managers are certainly increasingly using portals and data sites to provide documents and information to investors. And, you know, fund administrators are continuing to invest very heavily in technology and IT platforms to streamline their services. So in 2019, Northern Trust in Guernsey launched their first ever commercial deployment of blockchain technology for the administration of private equity funds. So jurisdictions, I think, need to recognise that they need to provide the supporting infrastructure to allow players in the market to um, you know, take advantage of this new technology. And I, and I think finally, probably the, a key thing that jurisdictions like ours can do is to you know, seek to reopen travel corridors reasonably swiftly, but obviously safely. Um, I think that'll be important as we normalise. You know, we, we don't want to say uh, too isolated for too long. And Jeff, would that be something you would echo that technology and connectivity are the two most important things that jurisdictions should be focusing on? Yes, what Ben said is chimes very much with my thinking. You know, I think as the World Economic Forum's coined it, the fourth revolution, I think is just going to accelerate. It's going to go on steroids. We've seen a, an explosion in virtual meetings. I think EID will come to the fore. It's going to make electronic means of verification much more acceptable and much more widely used. And then the classic data mining speedier adoption of AI, machine learning. I think it's all going to get a supercharge uh, in terms of acceleration. I think the other thing we'll see is um, a term I've seen recently emerge in the US, uh, the weightless firm. Firms built on capital light, tech-heavy models, centered on investments in software, R&D, data, intellectual property. I think they're going to come to the fore, and I think they'll become big targets for uh, private equity investment. 
All right, well, you, uh, you've said it's supercharged and on steroids. I think we've got uh, some big changes coming down the line. But uh, Jeff and Ben, thank you both for your insight and your analysis today. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you'd like any further information on the private equity market, then please head over to the Morant website. And do also tune into our next podcast, where we'll be discussing the global impact of COVID-19 on the real estate industry. Thank you for listening. For more information, please get in touch with your usual Morant contact or visit morant.com.